This is Heart of It All, and I'm Liz Paul, creator of the show and your host. As a lifelong Ohioan and cinephile, I've literally, no joke, been taking notes for the past 20-some years of all the times Ohio is mentioned in film and TV projects. And let me tell you, there is a lot for us to cover here. Now, the references over the span of the past 50 years are pretty impressive. Starting with 1970s and 80s classics like WKRP in Cincinnati and Family Ties. Then in the 90s, we have lots of Ohio references, with movies like Tommy Boy, Point Break, shows like Third Rock from the Sun. Then moving into the early and mid-2000s, there were tons more. Glee, How I Met Your Mother, and Hot in Cleveland. And more recently, movies like Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs, Marvel's Black Widow, CBS's Ghosts, and Noah Baumbach's newest release from Netflix called White Noise is also set in Ohio. Now, obviously I didn't list all of the Ohio references over the last 50 years in TV and movies. But I hope you're starting to see what I've been seeing. That Ohio truly means something to the film industry. And maybe even to the collective consciousness of America. So how far back are we talking then? Is it really only 50 years? 100? How about as far back as the year 1887? What you are about to hear is quite possibly the origin story of the Ohio-Hollywood connection. To help us understand the story, I talked with Hadley Mears, a brilliant writer and journalist based in Los Angeles. Welcome, Hadley. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so so I created this project to really get down to the bottom of why Ohio has such strong ties to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm obsessed with movies and television, and, and I'm a child of the 80s, so I've noticed ever since I was little that there's so many shows that mention, you know, mention Ohio or the actors or directors um, seem to be from Ohio. And it's a topic that hasn't really gone away in the 30-plus years that I've been noticing it. Um, and so my research for this, I stumbled across an article that you wrote in 2014 for L.A. Curbed um, based on a woman named Daida Wilcox-Beveridge, um, also dubbed the mother of Hollywood. So I was hoping you could tell us her story. Absolutely. And, you know, it's really interesting because so many of the early pioneers in Los Angeles were of Midwestern extraction. Uh, you see not only Hollywood, but also Pasadena, Altadena, a lot of the different areas that were considered some of the kind of nicest areas in Los Angeles were settled by Midwestern pioneers who came out to escape the cold and kind of live these lives of leisure in this temperate, beautiful place. And Daida is really a perfect example of that and also of a totally kind of forgotten heroine of... Um, of history. So she was born in Ohio and she was from quite a prominent pioneer family in Ohio. And uh, when she was quite young, she married a much older man, like three decades older, named Harvey Wilcox. And the two of them, even though he was three decades older, were very much alike. They were both very religious, very cultured, very educated. And they took the train out to Los Angeles to start a new life. And they settled in uh, around the University of Southern California, which is near downtown Los Angeles. And he opened a real estate office. And uh, 
she had a child who died and they were very heartbroken. And to comfort themselves, they would take all of these carriage rides around the area we now know as Hollywood, which was then known as the Quanga Valley, which was basically just empty ranch land uh, west of Los Angeles proper. Mm -hmm. And Daida absolutely fell in love with the Quanga Valley, which was just this kind of beautiful valley with hills surrounding it. And, you know, there were lots of orchards and uh, it was just a really lovely place. And she and Harvey decided that they were going to build a community there. That's amazing. And at that time, obviously, it was just farmland. So there weren't a lot of cities or towns there. Is that right? Oh, that's yes, that's very correct. The valley was really uncharted territory at the time. And Daida really saw potential for it to be this ideal, Christian, elegant, upper middle class, of course, you know, unfortunately, white community uh, that would have kind of almost what I would say today is a a feeling of a planned country community, kind of almost a resort area so that people from the Midwest and the East Coast could come either in the winters to winter there or to start a new life in retirement there. And I love how you mentioned that she's a forgotten heroine because I think when you when you look up um, – myths and legends of how Hollywood <laughs> got its name and how it was founded, you you hear a lot about the father of Hollywood, who was H.J. Whitley. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about their role together and how that came about? Yeah, Whitley was also just a big landowner in the area, and they collaborated somewhat, but there was a lot of infighting going on uh, in Hollywood. So in 1888, Harvey Wilcox, Daida's husband, uh, officially incorporate, not incorporates, but patents the map for Hollywood. So he is a lot of times given credit for the creation of Hollywood. When we now know that it was Daida who came up with the name, there's different legends about how she came up with the name. And also that Daida's ideas were the ones that germinated. They, She and Harvey mapped out the town together. They named streets after local farmers' children they knew. And it was really her vision that pushed Hollywood forward. But these men, like her husband, her first husband, Harvey Wilcox, like Whitley, seemed to get a lot of credit for their creation when really it was Daida who had the vision, planned it, and made it happen. Right. And I love in your article how you say, you know, she was wealthy, obviously, so she spent a, a great deal overseas. Mm -hmm. And um, when someone else was going to donate some land for a local library or such, she got on the horn and said, no way, you know, I, I have more land. So so really, she was um, a philanthropist, right? Oh, she was a total philanthropist. You know, she donated land for the first library, she donated land for the city hall, for the post office. She was very into uh, her Christianity, so she offered free lots to every church of a Christian denomination. And she also did something really smart, which shows she, she would have been so successful today in today's development and real estate market, in that she met a famous French artist uh, named Paul de Longprix, who had come to Los Angeles, and she fell in love with his work and basically said to him, I want you to come to Hollywood, to my little country estates town, and build a house 
And he came and he built this beautiful home and gardens on land Daida had uh, sold him. And then she sold him some more land for just three paintings that he did. And it became the first tourist attraction in Hollywood. And it was this beautiful garden. You could see the artist painting these still lives of flowers. And he and Daida became great friends and kind of the social arbiters of the town. So she really consciously was planning how to make this town well-known, but still feel exclusive and special and upper crust. And as the town grew, there was some drama around being incorporated into Los Angeles proper. Mm -hmm. And can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So as the town got bigger and bigger and more folks from the Midwest move out, including her second husband, uh, Philo Beveridge's uh, parents, his father was a former governor of Illinois, and his mother was very prominent as well. Um, they decided they needed to incorporate the town. And Daida was very much against it because she felt like it was going to ruin Hollywood, turn her little uh, country enclave into a big city. Because at the time, all around Los Angeles, things are really developing. There's a lot of construction. And uh, she fought valiantly against the incorporation, but uh, it went through. And, you know, what's really disheartening is not only was she really the mother of Hollywood, but there were a lot of other female developers in Hollywood that were really important. There was a fascinating kooky lady named Grandma Wakeman. There was a woman named Molly Mall, And they all had a lot to do with early Hollywood. And of course, at the time, women couldn't vote. So they could try and influence mm -hmm. the men they knew about what they wanted to happen to Hollywood but really, ultimately, it was out of their control because of the patriarchal grip on America at the time. So after incorporation, what happened to Hollywood? Well, you know, it, Hollywood kind of has its heyday of, of being this place people love to come visit and where Daida has all these amazing, you know, very elegant soirees at her beautiful home. And it was a place where you couldn't have liquor you couldn't have a thing as simple as a pool hall or billiard rooms you couldn't even have uh people ride bicycles on on the sidewalks you know it was this very controlled place and then what happens is incorporation comes more developers start coming and los angeles is expanding so fast and then the movie business comes and the movie business uh starts not far away in a uh little shed basically in part of Hollywood, and then it just explodes. And all pretense of it being this kind of beautiful resort town completely goes away. And Daida dies in 1914 of cancer, pretty young. And, you know, movies had already come in a couple years before. And by the 1920s, Hollywood and Hollywood Boulevard are the center of the world basically in LA. It's the height of Hollywood Boulevard, of fast living there, of movie making. It becomes a giant metropolis. And basically all that remains of Daida's vision is totally swept away in a matter of just like 10 years. So for all intensive purposes, are you comfortable declaring that a woman from Ohio named Hollywood? 1,000%. She absolutely named Hollywood. We don't know quite how. There's a couple stories 
One is that uh, she was driving, driving, riding on a train, and a woman was telling her about her estate in the Northeast called Hollywood. And another is that it was supposedly named after holly leaves that grew in the Quanga Valley, but there's some debate if they even grew in the Quanga Valley naturally. Uh, but she absolutely named Hollywood, and it was absolutely her vision and her baby and her golden age. What is it about old Hollywood that fascinates you? You know, old Hollywood and Los Angeles uh, fascinate me in general because, you know, I always say it's a sunny place for shady people. And it's a place where <laughs> people since, you know, basically the Spanish period here, uh, which was over 200 years ago, have come to reinvent themselves. And it's a place where you come, you know, kind of like Daida did with Hollywood. You come and you can try and create something totally new and you can become a different person you can start over here and i'm just fascinated by the people who succeed and honestly a lot of times more so by the people who don't quite get that you know california dream in and and what happens to them in this in this kind of place filled with promise and despair at the same time we talked a little bit about legends mm -hmm. and so you know in this this crazy world that we live in now where facts are disputed um right. left and right every day every second what role do you think historians play in interpreting the past now that's really interesting i think a lot about that i, I you know i think history and learning history can can change the world i truly do i think that a problem with history for a long time is that it's been presented in such a dry way and such a way that focuses, you know, on cis white uh, rich men. And I think that we're long due for reevaluation of what history is and who was important in history. And I really, really think that, you know, little stories, what we would consider lost stories, forgotten stories about women and people of color and the LBGTQI community really can teach us so much. And there's still so much left to find out about our history. I think Gloria Steinem or someone said, you know, it'll take the next thousand years to rewrite the history of the past thousand years. And, um, you know, that's what I try and do little by little in my work. And I also think legends and lore are such an important way to understand people because even if they're tall tales and not true they tell us so much about how people at the time were feeling what their fears were what uh intrigued them and you can really learn a lot from things that aren't patently true or facts i read the vanity fair article on carol lombard and oh, yeah. clark gable the old hollywood book club yeah. so is that a series that you do that is, yes. It's so much fun. So I read old old Hollywood biographies and autobiographies, and, and then I review them. It's been a blast. It's so good. Uh, they <laughs> you know, one thing that I was really fascinated by is that they're both from the Midwest. Yes. Carol is from Indiana, and Clark Gable is from Eastern Ohio. So what is your take on that? Earlier, you had said that, you know, there were a lot of Midwesterns coming to California for the warmth. But, you know, do you feel like that's a trend still to this day or what, you know, what's your take on it living in LA? Uh, yeah. Well, Carol Lombard's my favorite actress. So that was such a fun one to do. And they were both Midwesterners. Clark Gable had a very hard scrabble, rough uh, childhood in, in Ohio. And no, it's totally still a trend. I always say half the people I know out here are from Indiana. 
So there's still a complete connection uh, between, there's kind of a pipeline, I feel like, between the Midwest and Los Angeles. And I think, honestly, you know, in the past half century, it's only heightened. I think that every guy from, you know, Indiana or wherever James Dean was comes out here thinking they're going to be James Dean. So I think that there's still kind of this lure that L.A. is maybe where folks from the Midwest who maybe feel like they don't quite fit in or, you know, they want to be a star. I believe Brad Pitt's from the Midwest as well. Uh, L.A. is a place they can come and feel more like themselves and more fully realized. So with that pipeline, you know, from the Midwest to California, do you think Daida's travel had anything to do with that? You know, that's a great question. I I don't know. You know, I get the sense that she and Harvey were very adventurous. Mm -hmm. And so that might have been part of it. Because at the time, you know, to choose to come out to L.A., you were really being a pioneer. And I know that her family, her mother had been from New York originally. I believe her she was from a family of kind of adventurous pioneers. So maybe for her and Harvey more so, it was just that kind of American trope of manifest destiny and going off to make your own life. Right, right. Yeah, the adventure. Mm-hmm. So is there anything that you hope people learn about Daida's story? Well, I think I, I really hope that people learn from Daida that, you know, women of the Victorian age who we think of as so passive and kind of powerless really could have a lot of power if they were in a privileged position. And that she had this vision for a place and she made it happen. You know, she consciously created an intentional community that, you know, was a privileged community, a white community, in a lot of ways, a community that I would not consider an ideal community today, but she did it. And she was able to do it in a time when, you know, she wasn't even allowed to vote. So I think that's a really powerful message to people that, you know, you can create intentional spaces that, you know, are meaningful to you and to other people. And it's just such a great thing to say that, you know, a woman created Hollywood because she did. I'm a Daida Wilcox beverage fan. <laughs> we, should, uh, we should make t-shirts, Hadley. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on Heart of It All. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your talent. Um, and thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. That was journalist and LA-based historian Hadley Mears confirming for the record that a woman from Ohio created and named Hollywood. You know, in this journey to uncover amazing stories about the Ohio-Hollywood connection, this one really blew me away. I mean, did you know that a woman from Ohio named Hollywood? I didn't. And it's fascinating, and I think that we're really onto something here. I love talking with Hadley, and I'm excited that more people will discover the legacy of Daida Wilcox Beveridge. I linked Hadley's L.A. Curbed article in the show notes. There you can find historical photos of Hollywood Boulevard, the very first map of Hollywood, and the only known photo of Daida Wilcox Beveridge, the mother of Hollywood. I'm your host, Liz Paul. And if you like this episode and want to hear more stories like this, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter with the handle at heartofitallpod. 
Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more episodes.